Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Bad holes. The politicians. The prestidigitators and magicians. First you see the money. Then you don't. There's nothing to fill the holes while they're filling their pockets. Bad holes. The politicians. Bouncing down the road. Everybody's wishing for no more corruption and dysfunction. It's gonna take divine intervention. And God bless y'all out there. You are now listening to the Founders Show, the voice of the Founding Fathers, your Founding Fathers, coming to you deep within the bowels of those mystic and cryptic alligator swamps of the Big Easy, that old Crescent City, New Orleans, Louisiana. And high up on top of that old Liberty Cypress tree, way out there on the Eagles branch, this is none other than your spin Gary Baba of the Republic, Chaplain High McHenry, with Christopher Tidmore, your roving reporter and resident radical moderate. We are coming to you live from Bakersfield, California, on the uh, uh, Amtrak route to Palm Springs from Fresno. And ladies and gentlemen, it's going to play. We're going through what is conventionally known as Red California. Um, it's amazing for someone our age high to hear that, but they mean Republican California, the spine of it, where several of the races that will determine who controls the United States House of Representatives are being held, starting in uh, Darren Nunez's seat and working all of our way down to Southern California. And we're going to talk about all that, along with the chances the GOP has, what's happening in the elections, and our final pre-election edition of this program coming into the November 6th election, local races, ballot issues, and a whole variety of other issues. But first, we have a special guest. Joining us here on the Founders Show on WRNO and WSLA is the former head archivist of the Notarial Archives, one of the legends of history in New Orleans, writing about it, and of course, herself, one of the most articulate champions of the history and preservation of, of the culture of New Orleans, Sally Reeves. And Sally, uh, we're proud to have you on the program because you are going, you are announcing today an event that's happening as we air on Sunday, just about a week from now, that is essentially the culmination of a year's worth of tricentennial events. This conference put on by the Canadian government on the Canadian founding of New Orleans and its history. What is going on on uh, next Saturday? Well, thank you for having me and allowing us to describe this wonderful event. It's a celebration of the uh, role of the French Canadians and the Native Americans uh, during the 20 years before the founding of New Orleans and all the preparation that was done on the French Canadian side with their diplomacy, with the Native Americans, who were so helpful to them in exploring, finding the Mississippi River, redeeming Robert Cavalier de La Salle, who had missed the river and died trying to find it, um, and for the French government, 
and um, making it possible for New Orleans to be founded in 1718. So that 20-year period between Iberville and Bienville's first voyage to the Mississippi from France um, and the explorations and, and real wonderful relations and diplomatic relations with the Native Americans is the period that we're, we're focusing on. We're going to have papers. Uh, we're bringing in a scholar from Ottawa to talk about the background of the Lemoine family, who are the Iberville and Bienville's family. We're going to have a paper on French colonial architecture. And you yourself uh, have agreed we're so happy to do a paper on the French on the French Canadians who became the old settlers of Louisiana. We're going to have a paper on travel, the travel documents, the French language travel documents. And then, of course, a wonderful paper by Dr. Tammy Greer on the Native Americans. Then and now. Then and now. And I've got to tell you, Sally Reeves, this is something we're looking. I'm looking forward to myself because most people don't realize we look at the tricentennial of the city of New Orleans, and really, um, as the founding of the colony in 1699, that it was it was not settled from France. It was settled from Quebec. And these were second-generation, in some cases third-generation colonists who were looking for new land. Their elder siblings may have gotten the properties in French in, in New France, in what is modern-day Quebec in Canada, and they were looking to expand the horizons of the French colonial world. And they're the ones who came here. And it, it, one of the things I found in my research is, frankly, it was really French Canadians that didn't just form the elite; they formed the entire productive colony. For many, many, many years, it was quite a while before we saw beyond a handful of direct settlement from France that made all the difference. And when we say this, folks, we're talking about the French Canadians came directly here from Quebec, not the Acadie that would come close to, you know, just under a century, you know, about three quarters of a century later. This is critical, and it also outlines to us to this day, Sally Reeves, the relationship New Orleans has that's not always appreciated with Montreal, Quebec and the, the, the Francophonie of Canada. You talk about that. That has been a significant relationship over the years. And people think, uh, we think of ourselves as being founded by the French, and it's kind of been overlooked that it was really the French Canadians who did the founding and did the exploration and suffered and starved and died in great numbers, but somehow made it and founded not only New Orleans, but Biloxi and Mobile, Ocean Springs. So all those colonies made it possible for the, for the capital to finally be moved to the Mississippi River, where they had wanted to put it um, from the beginning. So we have this wonderful relationship with the French Canadians. They know that they founded New Orleans, and they think that they are quick to remind uh, they will be quick here to remind remind us of their strong commitment and and um, role, their strong role in our celebration. Sally Reeves, um, uh, former archivist of the uh, Notarial Archives, um, where is this conference happening? Obviously, it's it's happening on Saturday, November third. Give us some of the details. And is it open? It's open to the public. It's very inexpensive. It is not a fundraiser. Uh, and we're so happy that Metairie Park Country Day has opened their doors to us with their beautiful auditorium, free parking, and uh, a wonderful luncheon that's included in the $40 registration fee. 
And at the end of the day, we're going to have a festive champagne dessert party on Bayou St. John, where the Native Americans and Iberville and Danville themselves will greet us. And all of that is included in the $40 registration. People can register online at louisianahistoricalsociety.org, which is one of the co-sponsors and producers, along with the Canadian Consulate, with our, with our wonderful sponsors, Shell Oil Company and the First Bank and Trust and Livingston International. So we're very excited to have the support. We are an official tricentennial event um, designated by the New Orleans Tourism Com Company. And so we're very excited to be able to put this together and offer it to the people as a, as a, one of the um, crowning and final events of the tricentennial year. And folks, that's next. That's going to be this uh, next Saturday, November third, at Country uh, at Mary Park Country Day School. That's an old Mary uh, Country Day School. Yes, beginning at eight thirty in the morning and continuing until the afternoon with a wonderful luncheon. And it is it is going to be uh, essentially, if you want to know about an area that, frankly, a, a period of time that uh, is not actively taught. We know that uh, we know we were founded. But we don't spend a lot of time in that 20-year almost period between the arrival of Iberville and Bienville and the founding of the city of New Orleans and the Canadian families that made it happen. This is your chance. This is your opportunity to explore the early days that led up in the early founding of New Orleans 300 years ago. Mary um, Park Country Day School, the website is for the Louisiana Historical Society. Give that website out one more time, if you would, Sally Reeves. LouisianaHistoricalSociety.org, where people can sign up online via PayPal. LouisianaHistoricalSociety.org, you can sign up for the conference on Saturday, November 3rd. And yours truly, Christopher Tedmore, I'm planning, um, I've got a little 20-minute talk where I'm going to be talking about this idea of the Canadians who came here. In fact, what they were up against, not only as settlers, but against the French government. Um, and it really, they were uh, determined from Bienville on down to found this, sometimes not only without aid, but the uh, active opposition of that. And when they did, you didn't follow their advice, little things happened, like insurrection with the Indians. When you followed their long experience, the colony tended to prosper. And we'll talk about those early days in my speech uh, on it. And hi, I know you've been one of the advocates of the tricentennial and what uh, and the activities and have pointed out that you didn't think people have given enough appreciation. I got to tell you, hi, I'm very thankful to not only the list of sponsors, but to the Canadian government, which has actually taken more of an active role in trying to help this tricentennial than our own U.S. government, including many, uh, frankly, governments here in Louisiana. I it, this is this is a tremendous gift being given to us by our fellow. Uh, Francophonie to the north. Really? And Sally, I, I do have a question. Uh, this is going to predate the founding of the official founding of New Orleans of 1718 by how many years? So by uh, exactly 20 years because okay. they okay. came in 1698 right. and New Orleans was founded in 1718 and the idea being that the city didn't just drop out of the sky. Right. Uh, there was a lot of preparation right. and right. exploration right. and di diplomatic relations that went on right. to make it possible for the city to be founded. Well, I have a couple more questions. 
uh, in 98, in that was the year of the English turn? Um, no. So the, the, event, the English turn event, which I'm going to go into in great detail, occurred between Iberville's first and second voyages. He left Louisiana after the, the first voyage, went back to France to get supplies and support, and, the, and with instructions to Bienville and Savoie to, to survive and to explore. With 70 French Canadians and some buccaneers and some other people that were with them, and um, including some cabin boys. And they did explore a lot, and it was one day coming down the river in canoes that they encountered Captain Lewis Bank with a, with a shipload of Huguenots who wanted to settle Louisiana. And we're going to explain how the mechanics of sailing on up a river made it impossible to get through English Turn um, when the wind was not with you because a sailboat can tack against the current but it, uh, or against the wind, but it can't do both at the same time. I understand. And this is why people had to anchor at English Turn literally until the age of steam. Right, so they got a good first, wind. To get through the first reach of the turn. This is why the English ship was really stuck. And the, he and the Anvil both knew that there was no nothing he could do except turn back because it, it, he was anchored. He, he didn't have the wind with him. Right. And, and so uh, it was less of a brazen bluff that's been made out to be, but it was still very clever on the part of Bienville to claim that there were much more forces upriver than there were. Right. Well, Another thing that we're going to explain is how we know these things. How do we know exactly what happened that day in September of, uh, of uh, 1699, um, uh, the lore, the founding lore that we all sort of is in the water and um, that you grew up knowing at your grandma's knee, well, um, these things were actually in, in writing before they became oral tradition. So it's very interesting that these journals have played such a strong role in the founding of Louisiana and in urging the French government to try again after the failure of LaSalle. Right. Sally, another question. I'm sure the Choctaw Indians were here at the time, but can you give us the, the names of the other type of Indians? That the most important groups that uh, Iberville and Bienville and their Canadian uh, confrères encountered were first the Tunica Biloxi, who uh, they greeted on the shores of what is now Mississippi um, in March of, of uh, 1699. And then the first villages they visited were the villages of the Bayou Gulas and Mugalachas, who were on the west bank of the Mississippi, uh, a little bit above Bayou Lafourche. And then on the right bank, they visited the Omas, or Homas, and they spent a good deal of time with them, smoking the calumet, um, uh, performing all the greetings, and giving them presents. Because the delivery of presents of, um, of not just beads, but, but gunpowder and, and um, axes, saws, things made out of, of iron that they didn't have, um, was a, a marvelous way that the French... Uh, reassured 
the Native Americans that they had come in peace to be friends, friends because they hated the English and they feared the, Sta- the, the Spanish, but they trusted the French because the French were always good to them. And so they, um, and actually Iberville ended up being sort of a mediator in, um, between some of their disputes. So these two very important groups who were settled on the Mississippi at the time, the Bayougoulas who were living together with the Mugalaches and the Omas, are the, um, the ones that they, that they actually encountered the most frequently. Wow. Thank you. That, that is so fascinating. And for those just joining us, we're joined by Sally Reeves, former archivist of the Notero Archives of the city of New Orleans and one of the uh, uh, legends of uh, historical biography of the city. She's helped organize um, and been the prime organizer of this conference put on by the Canadian government to mark the tricentennial um, of the city of New Orleans when the last event, the culminating event, talking about the first 20 years of the settlement of the city. There's so many things in it that don't we really need to address, but um, they did They did not, the portage through, was through Bayou Manchac was something that they tried on the first voyage up the river. Um, they did not come through Bay St. Louis to get to the portage, the Bayou St. John portage. Um, uh, they did found Biloxi, old and new Biloxi, and Mo- old and new Mobile both, all four, before the founding of New Orleans, except that new Biloxi was kind of concurrent with the founding of New Orleans in 1718. Okay, interesting. What about Bay St. Louis? So Bay St. Louis, they discovered and named, because they discovered it on the Feast of St. Louis, um, the people who discovered it were Bienville and, and the ship carpenter, Andre Penico, who uh, during the period when Iberville had gone back to France and was getting supplies and reinforcements, um, he, as I said earlier, asked them to survive and to explore. And they went exploring into, um, along the coast, um, they went into Bay St. Louis on the Feast of St. Louis, and that's why they named the bay. St. Louis Bay, and then they went through the Wrigley's into Lake Pontchartrain. Every place they noticed a shell bank or a flock of birds, they would name the area for what they saw so they could remember it. And when they saw a, a bay, a small bay near the mouth of the Wrigley's, that was full of herons, they called it Heron Bay, which is still there to this day. And then they saw a very grassy point reaching out into Lake Pontchartrain as they exited uh, the Wrigley's, and they call that Point Ozaire, by the um, grassy point. And so as, that is how they remembered these place names. There was one island that they called Ilopois, the Pea Island, because they forgot a bag of peas there. A hundred years later, that island would be the landing place for the British when they were attacking New Orleans during the Battle of New Orleans. Where they supplied themselves with peas because the peas had, had <laughs> so sprouted and created a huge... Yeah. So uh, what goes around mark, comes around, yeah. it seems. I'm, I'm making that right, up. And folks, but, you're, you're, hearing, you're hearing here on the Founders Show on WRNO and WSLA basically the accurate history, to the best of our knowledge, of what happened in those first 20 years that are really glossed over on the average high school and college history books. And this is an opportunity to learn about the founding of our forefathers, our region, and ultimately our city 
by attending the tricentennial conference on the uh, uh, on Louisiana, put on by the Canadian government. Sally Reeves is joining us, um, uh, former archivist of the Notarial Archives of New Orleans, about the conference that's happening on uh, on Saturday, November third, and at Country, Mary Park Country Day School, starting at eight thirty in the morning with a wonderful lunch, and uh, ultimately a champagne evening between these wonderful lectures that are happening through the day. You can find, register for this conference. It's only $40, and that includes your food and, and other accoutrements by going to louisianahistoricalsociety.org. Um, I think I have that right, Sally, louisianahistoricalsociety.org, and pay, uh, pay via PayPal on there. And we hope uh, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, will attend the conference coming up just um, on the third of November, on Saturday, the third of November, eight thirty a.m. at Metairie Park Country Day School. It, it is really, really, Sally. This is the last opportunity to celebrate our tricentennial. We have a few minor events, but this is really the culmination of it all. Well, there will be some some big uh, museum events that we don't want to slight. We're very excited about the Duke d'Orléans opening at the Noma and the Pontalba celebration at the Cabildo. But this is going to be the last historical lecture conference. Um, we've put out several books. We've done exhibits. Well, I've been doing lectures all year. But this will be the last time we have a coordinated conference of, of interesting scholars presenting what is really has been neglected history. So we hope that people will register. It's going to be lots of fun. It's going to be informative. And it's going to be beautiful because the Country Day is really just a lovely place to uh, exchange ideas, free parking, um, and um, on their lovely campus. And, and Sally, one yeah. last thing. When they, when they first landed, they landed on Mardi Gras Day, and they called it on the river Point Mardi Gras, I believe. Well, they didn't actually land on Mardi Gras Day. They went into the river that on, on the day before Mardi Gras was the day that they actually found the opening into the river, and they were in a terrible storm. They were afraid they were going to perish at sea, and suddenly they rounded what they thought was rocks, and they the water changed color. They tasted it. It was fresh. And, it, and they were suddenly in a river. And Iberville wrote, I found a river there. And they were on the verge of sinking. Wow. And their, and their little boats, but they were in these ex, exploring boats and, and, bar, and birch bark canoes. And he wrote, I found a river there. And they were in the Mississippi. LaSalle was redeemed. Wow. And it was wow. the next day they paddled up the river and they camped at a point, and which is now Plaquemines Bend, by the way. So it's not up. That was another correction we needed to make. But Mardi Gras Point is um, down, down near river. at a plat where yeah. where the old fort, um, yeah, the remains of the old fort right. St. Philip. That's what is, I thought. Are. And um, and that's the day that they camped in the cane breaks, which they had to clear, and it was on Mardi Gras Day, and so they called it. Mardi Gras Point, and the little bayou that runs next to it became Mardi Gras Bayou, and it is on Bartholomew Lafon's 1806 um, plan of the mouth of the Mississippi. It's not on too many maps today, but of course it's in the it's in the lore, it's in the uh, public memory, and one of the and the reason is that they wrote it down in their journals. 
Fascinating. Fascinating. Well, thank you Sally uh, Reeves, so much. We want to thank you for joining us. Uh, of course, the conference is happening at Metairie Park Country Day School on the 3rd of November, Saturday, 8.30 a.m. Uh, you can get, well, folks, you can, it's open to the public. You can get your own pass, and this includes lunch and all the other events and uh, for just $40 by going to LouisianaHistoricalSociety.org, LouisianaHistoricalSociety.org. And just paying in the PayPal link. More information about the conference is there at LouisianaHistoricalSociety.org on November 3rd. And I'm looking forward, Sally, to giving my presentation on Le Canadien, or as, uh, as Bienville called it, uh, you know, his Canadians, our Canadians. The people, he would distinguish between the people from France and his Canadians. And basically, as I'm going to talk about the conference, you know, on one particular vessel that brought colonists right at the founding of the city, in 1719, he talked about the, how should I go through this, 12 murderers, 6 uh, rapists, all the different people down, and finally the salt, the salt smugglers that came through. He put an addendum where he said the salt smugglers were actually useful. They did work and had other benefits, like smuggling food in. But he said, at the very end, can you send us more Canadians, for they're the ones that will make us successful, as my Canadians do here. And we'll talk about that in my little piece along with the wonderful other lectures, and yours um, especially, next Saturday on the 3rd at this wonderful conference. Find out more at LouisianaHistoricalSociety.org. Any final thoughts? Yes. Sally Reeves. Oh, Sally? Well, I want to thank you so much for having me on and today, and um, we appreciate the uh, support of our, con of our conference, uh, the Louisiana Historical Society and the French-Canadian Consul uh, Canadian Consulate have been working very hard on this, and we look forward to um, seeing a lot of people there. Well, Sally, I, I really want to commend you and Christopher, but it, especially you right now for the what appears to be years of research and study that you put into this. You ha have obviously a wealth of information, and I can't wait to participate and enjoy. Uh, just take a, a, an absolutely luxurious bath in all the knowledge and of the history that you, you, you'll bring to bear. You, you did Notable New Orleans? Yes, we did. Yeah. So yeah. It's, been, it's been a great year, I will say. Yeah. Okay. So thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, you Sally. Sally God and bless. And ladies and gentlemen, remember you can hear the Founders Show every Sunday from 9 a.m. on 99.5 WRNO and Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or Friday, Monday, and Wednesday in this case, on WSLA 1560 a.m. for 8 to 9 a.m or 24-7-365 at the iHeartMedia app. All you have to do is get the iHeartMedia app on your phone and go to the Founders Show. It'll update on your phone each week or WRNO.com. Look at podcasts and go for the Founders Show. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Today's edition of the Founders Show is brought to you by Villaries Florist at 1-800-V-I-L-L-E-R-E or VillariesFlorist.com for all of your our needs coming up to Halloween and the New Year. Villaries Florist at 1-800-V-I-L-L-E-R-E -E or VillariesFlorist.com. Today's edition is also brought to you by the Royal Merchant Trading Company. Ladies and gentlemen, all your spice needs. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. These can be brought to you straight to your door by going to RoyalMerchant.co. Local entrepreneur Barkley Rafferty brings forth her spices from everything from pink peppercorn to Moroccan, cumin, you name the, you name the list, it will come straight to your door, including subscription packages by famous chefs with five famous recipes each and every day at royalmerchant.co. You can even get them here in California where we're doing the show right this week coming into election day. Battles, the politician. And folks, welcome back to the Founders Show. And this is Chaplain High McHenry, your Spin Gary Baba of the Republic, working so hard with my partner to always bring you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. And I'm Christopher Tidmore, and as I explained to you earlier, hi, I'm traveling through the spine of California, Republican California, from Devin Nunez's seat in Fresno, down through the Central Valley, all the way through Bakersfield into Orange County. Ladies and gentlemen, the red part of this very blue state. And why am I doing it? Because I'm looking at these congressional seats that may be the determinant as to whether the Republicans control or keep control of the United States House of Representatives. And what I'm finding is... Ladies and gentlemen, while these are very Republican areas, the impact of women on these districts is turning formerly very Republican seats into toss-ups at best, and in many cases, some three points behind everywhere else. A recent survey that was done by CNN, and yes, hi, I know you're going to say CNN, but it is actually based on numbers. It actually got a lot of Republicans very, very excited. It said that Republicans were only three points behind Democrats in the generic battle in the toss-up seats, 50 to 47. And that should say, well, it's a close race. That's the margin of error, right? Well, these are districts that are on average seven to 10 points more Republican than the rest of the United States. There are of these 69 or so toss-up districts, roughly 63 of them are held by Republicans. Um, and these are areas that, ladies and gentlemen, under normal circumstances, Republicans win easily. Donald Trump won 48 of these seats, sometimes by decent majorities. So why are Republicans struggling in the very seats they need to hold? Here in California, in the spine, New Jersey, New York, um, upper Midwest, very suburban areas uh, around the country. Well, it has to do with, if you look at women. Republicans used to do pretty well on average with college-educated white women. Yet in these districts, they're losing college-educated white women by 15 points. That's the first disturbing trend. The second one is, there's a a stat out there, High, that was got a little play before the election. They basically call it the pox on both of your houses stat. The number of people that basically said, we equally hate Republicans and Democrats, and how are we going to vote? We basically was was coming out at large numbers of the electorate. But of those people that said they hated both parties, they broke for Donald Trump by a factor of two to one 
in the last election. That's one of the reasons the polls were so off. No one had ever seen a breaking like that of two to one. The problem is they learned that this is a pretty important leading indicator. And so they've been polling that uh, how would you break if the election were held today, hating both parties? And they broke surprise, two to one for the Democrats. So what are we seeing? We're seeing Republican districts where women think because of Donald Trump, the Republican Party has become toxic. They don't really disagree with it, but they want to send a message. We're also seeing undecideds, mainly independents, of which California (coughs) currently has more independents than it has registered Republicans. We're seeing them break overwhelmingly for the Democrats. That puts in a rather disturbing trend for the GOP coming into this election. Your thoughts, I? Oh, yes, Christopher. Do I have thoughts? (laughs) Uh, First of all, again, I don't put a whole lot of stock in polls after we've seen the extreme failures in polls. Uh, Secondly, uh, people are very fickled. And they can shift from one position to the next on a dime. The public is, is, is very easily moved one way or the other. Uh, I, I'm, one thing I'm not surprised about is to see that uh, there's, there is a, a, a movement, if you will, against Donald Trump. Because look at what the main slimes have been doing since he's been the president. You get a daily uh, howling of the baboons on every Station ABC, NBC, CBS, you know, CNN, MSNBC, it's ad nauseum. I call them the main slime media, the New York slimes, the Washington compost, and on and on and on. They hate Donald Trump. I mean, it's, it's so blatant and it's so extreme. And no matter how good the guy does something, how well he does something, they, they ignore it. And all you hear is this terrible thing and that terrible thing. And, you know, he... he <laughs> It's almost absurd to see the kind of hatred they pour out upon poor Donald Trump. Of course, he's a tough guy. He he handles They say he actually works well under pressure like that. Uh, You know, he's from New York. He's a tough guy. That's the New York way. You get punched, you punch back. Somebody yells at you, you yell right back at him. And I know you know that having lived in New York, Christopher, anybody else who's ever been there. I spent about six weeks in New York, and believe me, it was, I thought New Orleans was a rough city until I went to New York, and uh, I found out New Orleans is a very gentle city compared to New York. I mean, those guys are, are constantly fighting with one another, yelling, screaming, you name it. Uh, I got my, my arrival in New York, I got in a taxi cab, uh, a, a good friend, he, I, I was invited to stay with him, he was a black preacher in New York, wonderful guy, Orlando Hunt. And I'll never forget, we got in that taxi cab, and here's this gentle, kind, wonderful preacher. And as soon as we hit the street, he and other people are yelling and screaming at it, cursing, went like, like they were all drunken sailors. <laughs> that's New York. Well, um, th- that's also Donald Trump. That's his style. I can live with that. I don't care about all that. I care about results. And look at the results the man has given us. The greatest economy. Uh, the, the, the highest numbers for every ethnic group and every gender in, 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 in decades for economic prosperity. The stock market doing fantastically well. Uh, keeping all of his promises to the conservative, to the right, to Republicans. Uh, not, not, not losing hardly any ground on any of it. Able to fight a very hostile media and hostile Congress. Because you got to remember, 
when when you become a conservative president, you're not just fighting the Democrats 100 percent of them. You're fighting a lot of your, par- your own party because there are a lot of GOP members who are, might as well join the Democrat Party. So uh, to me, it's amazing what this man has accomplished. You won't see one little bit of that said, but there are plenty of people who are picking up on it. And, and so, you know, we'll see. The real poll is going to be Election Day. And by the way, when everybody was saying he was going to lose last time and all the polls were against him, how did that work out? Not very well, did it? And I lean, I, I lean to what I call my, my uh, rally poll and my Internet poll. And if you look at the rally polls right now, he's doing better than he's ever done. He's never, the crowds that are coming to hear this guy are astounding. They're astounding. So we'll see. We'll just see how it works out. But good. Interesting thoughts, interesting insights, Christopher. What are you, what's your next uh, topic? Let's turn our attention to the elections, though, here in Louisiana, coming up on November the 6th. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, while both Steve Scalise and Cedric Richmond are in the ballot and are being challenged, there are no real serious uh, problems for either man. Same cannot be said in the special election for the Louisiana Secretary of State's race, where, frankly, it's anyone's guess. Julie Julie Stokes, of course, running sort of as the establishment Republican, is thought of as one of the main contenders. A.G. Crow coming out for conservative support, particularly social conservatives. Kyle Ardoin, the current incumbent, uh, who said he wasn't going to run, running as a Republican. And uh, Ms. Fontenot-Free, who uh, seems to be the official Democrat with another Democrat on the ballot. Two Democrats, multiple Republicans, means that we don't know who is going to be on the final runoff ballot in the first week of December. In Jefferson Parish, we've got school board races, some of which being very competitive to mount. It's really a battle between business interest and union interest, yet again, in Jefferson Parish, where the school system remains integrated, but having fallen 20 points in the, um, uh, in the, amongst the 54 school districts in, uh, in the state of Louisiana. A lot of people say Jefferson's aiming for a school takeover, not dissimilar from what Orleans went through. And that's been the subtext of the school board races, which has not received a lot of attention. There's a juvenile court race going on where it seems like Amanda Caligaro, the daughter of the former Chief Justice, uh, is going to is the favorite in that race. And interestingly, while running as a Republican, she enjoys quite a lot of union support. We'll see how that race pans out. In Orleans Parish, of course, we've got very competitive races for the Civil District Court, um, Three people in that uh, in that race right now, almost four really, and it looks like Richard Parikh, who's making his third bid for the CDC, may have a shot at a runoff um, and a very low turnout runoff in December, which benefits a, a, a candidate. Well. Very democratic and very uh, elements, of course, is the one white candidate in the race. Marie Williams making one of her latest bids. She's run multiple races. And Omar William, uh, and Omar Mas coming in around in that race. And the civil district court race is, of course, high. We've got two well-known names. And please understand, these guys are not running against each other. You are, do not have to choose between Jared Brossett and Austin Bano. It's separate races. Austin Bano is running for the clerkship of the first city court. The first city court, ladies and gentlemen, of course, is New Orleans' equivalent of small claims court. And it's very important, and bad on, 
former state representative, wants to turn around and open mediation services as well as weekend hours to be able to access the clerk's office and potentially the court itself. So the people that have disputes of less than $10,000 personally or 25000 in a civil case can do it outside the realms of work. He's running against the, uh, the sort of incumbent, uh, Timothy David Ray. You might remember he ran for the Council District B position. He was the hand-picked successor to, uh, uh, to Eleanor Hazor, who's now on the, uh, a, the bench. And he is himself trying to continue the Hazard legacy in the First City Court. We'll see how that plays out. Second race, Councilman District D, Jared Brossett, is running for the Civil District Court. And for those people that are interested, Sally Reeves, of course, ran the notarial archives for many years, still works there, is the notarial archives is part of the clerk's office of the Civil District Court. In fact, the CDC clerk's office is not just running the court cases and the elements, but basically is the center places for filing for divorces, custody cases, and also the city's archives going back into the colonial period. It's a very important job. Dale Atkins was very popular, got promoted to the bench, and her longtime chief deputy, Chelsea Napoleon, uh, Chelsea Richard Napoleon, uh, stepped into it. She'd been chief deputy for 10 years and been in the office for almost 22 years. She's running against Jared Brossett, a very well-known councilman, and ladies and gentlemen, how that race is going. Basically, the endorsements in that race have divided, and it's going down to the wire. Brossett got the very influential life endorsement quite recently, but I'll tell you folks, it could go either way because Napoleon has made a very compelling effort on her experience. Brossett, of course, is a well-liked former state legislator and uh, councilman. We'll see how that race comes down. Constitutional amendments, we've got six of them coming on the ballot. A lot of attention has been paid to number two, which would end um, the, the practice of being able for 10 out of 12 jurors to send someone to prison. It would put Louisiana law in line with all 50 states, 48 other states actually, that require unanimous juries, how that is going to play off. Number five, of course, we talked about earlier in previous weeks on the show, would create trust. So if you get older and your your house is put into a trust, you'll be able to maintain your frozen homestead exemption or your double homestead exemption if you're a military veteran or first responder, as long as you're alive. Very popular as it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Number six is an issue that has been a major issue for tax limitation advocates, where in a lot of cases, when assessments have gone up, and this has been particularly true in Orleans Parish, where your house value may go up in four years, it would double. That means your tax do- uh, uh, bills double because your, the value of your house doubles, and your assessments are based on the value of your house. This, of course, ladies and gentlemen, would create a situation where if your assessments rose more than 50%, it had your tax bills would be factored over four years. The value in your tax bills would go would, would take four years to reach the new assessment level. So a great way of saying basically your taxes can only go up by a fourth rather than a hundred percent. Not as much as some of us would like to limit tax in, uh, increases to five percent a year would like, but it's a first step, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see how that plays off. 
there is also a ballot initiative for each parish in the state, Orleans and Jefferson, Plaquemines, St. Tammany, St. Bernard, all vote in this individually, which would allow sports betting in fantasy football and fantasy leagues and let allow online sports betting for fantasy loans. Every parish that passes it will allow it. Those that don't will not. It's going to be on the ballot as a parish-specific issue, along with the other amendments, ladies and gentlemen. should be a very competitive race. Of course, Harahan has a mayor's race as well, Tim Baudier against Tina Maselli and the council members, and that's a very hot race in a very divided small area. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to find out how all these races come down on the wire November 6th, and we'll give you our after-action report on the following show. But meanwhile, hi, your thoughts coming into this election day. Once again, Christopher, fascinating uh, journalism. You are definitely uh, the journalist par excellence on our show. In fact, on the radio, I would say on local you know, New Orleans, Louisiana radio and, and, and print media, you do a remarkable job of finding out all the ins and outs and ups and downs and roundabouts about our political world. Hang on, folks. We'll be right back. Well, folks, this is Chapman High McHenry, and I'm here to tell you about Desperate Times. That's right. I'm here to tell you about one of the greatest radio shows on the air today. It's called Desperate Reality, sponsored by the New Orleans Mission. It's the only live reality rescue talk show in America. And I am on the board of New Orleans Mission. I'm one of the originators of the show, and I'm the chaplain counselor in the background. So... I would encourage you to check that show out every Saturday night from 10 p.m. till midnight. 10 p.m. till midnight. We're heard from sea to shining sea. We're across our fruited plains. We are a national show. So go to, go to the Desperate Reality Radio website, DesperateReality.com, and check us out. Find your favorite radio station. Tune in and enjoy, folks. I promise you. You will be amazed over the stories that come out. Uh, we've seen attempted suicides. We've seen every kind of crazy thing and, and, and really sad and, and tragic thing you can imagine. But with people's lives changed and turned around for the better. Uh, we have l- many, many living witnesses of that right now over at the mission. Or now they're, they're through with the rehabilitation program and they're out on, the, on their own and they're having good, successful lives productive lives, good jobs, raising their families, etc. So check it out, DesperateReality.com, and thank you so very much. And now, folks, I'd like to tell you about our ministry, Lamb Ministries. Lamb Ministries is an inner-city ministry with an inner-city formula and an inner-city focus for inner-city folks. Check us out. Go to our website, L-A-M-B-N-O-L-A.com. L-A-M-B-N-O-L-A dot com. And I am the, the uh, director and president of the ministry. So please, check us out. We need all the help we can get. We really need a tremendous amount of help. We need volunteers. The, 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 the size of this, of this mission, the size of the goals, of, of, the, of the, the vision of the of the needs of our city, of our inner city, of the urban poor, is en- are enormous. We need all the help we can get. We need prayer warriors. We need volunteers. We need financial support. So please check us out, lambnola.com, L-A-M-B-N-O-L-A.com, and thank you so very, very much. 
God bless you. Battles, politicians, prestidigitators, and magicians. Well, folks, it's now time for our Chaplain Baba patriotic moment where we just take a brief moment to remind you of the biblical foundations of our country, our precious country, our Judeo-Christian jurisprudence. And today, I'd like to talk about a famous Frenchman, because after all, the first part of the show is about the founding of New Orleans by the Canadian French. And I'd like to talk about none other than the famous political philosopher named Alexis de Tocqueville. He was considered to be one of the greatest political scientists, political philosophers in the history of the world. His book is considered to be one of the uh, premier works ever done on political philosophy. It's called Democracy in America. He lived through the French Revolution. He saw the horrors and the terrors of that miserably evil and dark communist revolution. He didn't understand how did the Americans have such a great and successful revolution and the French had such a horrible one with mass murder, with, with, just, with the destruction of their economy, and on and on and on. Where, where he looked across the Atlantic and he saw a bright and shining city on a hill. He saw America prospering. He saw all the success. And he finally decided he needed himself to travel to America and to study this country and find out what was the secret of the success and the greatness of America. He wanted to know the genius and success of America. So he came on over. And those were his very words. He came seeking for the genius and success of America. Well, he traveled all across America. He went to our arrived and and, uh, first thing observed was our our uh, harbors teeming with, with action, with, with uh, mercantile operations, with great ships coming and going, and, 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 and businessmen making great profits. He then went into the, to the cities, and he saw, again, the great prosperity of the American businessman. He went to the great institutions of learning in America, and he sought, continued to seek for the greatness and genius of America. Yes, he saw institutions of great learning, of, of the finest educations given in the world at the time. And he continued his search. He crossed our fruited plains and saw the abundance of agriculture. He, he went to our halls of Congress and studied our matchless Constitution. And yet... He reported that he found it not. The secret of the greatness and genius of America was still hidden from him. It was not until he went, according to Alexis de Tocqueville now, it was not until he went to the churches of America and he saw their pulpits aflame with the, right, with the gospel of righteousness that then he realized the secret of the genius and the greatness of America. And this is how he said it. It's because America is righteous and moral and good that America is great. But if America ever loses its righteousness, its biblical morality, America will cease to be great. Now, people, I posit to you, where are we today? Have we completely trashed what made us great in this country? Have we lost it completely? 
Well, we better check it out. Anyway, that to me is an amazing story of, again, the preponderance of evidence I have on the biblical foundations of America. And it it was exactly what the Founding Fathers said. They said, we've given you a a document that we think is the greatest document ever written. It's talking about the Constitution. Uh, George Washington, John Adams, and several said this when asked. And they said, but the key to the greatness of this document are the people of America. That the Constitution and Declaration of Independence were written for a moral and biblically righteous people and could serve no other. So, folks, if we quit being moral and biblically righteous, <laughs> the Constitution ain't going to do a whole lot for us. All right. Well, what about you as an individual? It's time to talk about individuals now. We just talked about the whole country and our biblical foundations and status. But where's your status right now? You know, you could be the greatest, the greatest biblical patriot in the history of America and still miss God by a trillion miles. Die and go to hell. Because you may have had a knowledge about God, you just didn't know him, which means he didn't know you. I want to show you right now in just a short period of time about how you can know God, how you can know that you know that you know. You're God's child, you're saved from hell, and you're guaranteed heaven. And it goes like this. First of all, you need to know God loves you. The Bible says he loves you with an everlasting love. The Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave. Because God's a lover, he's a giver. So let's hear what God's given. The Bible says that we have a love problem, big-time love problem. It's called sin and death. Sin is anything you say, do, or think that's wrong. We all know what sin is. You know how you know if somebody does you dirty? You, know, you all of a sudden know what sin is, don't you? <laughs> Maybe you'll do them dirty and think it's okay, but wait till you get done dirty. Boy, quickly you know what sin is. So we all know what sin is. And sin will take us to hell unless we get a, a, a solution, a fix for the sin. The other problem is death. And we're talking about the second death. And God says we're heading in that direction. Until you come to realize that you are hopeless and helpless and can do nothing to save yourself, and that is called repentance, then you're not ready for the third step, which is God's love plan for you. And it's this simple. God loved you so much, he knew you could never fix yourself, so he decided to fix you for you. He became a man. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's all the way God and all the way man. He's perfect God and perfect man. He came to this earth to pay for your sins. He did it when he died on the cross, and the Bible says his blood washed away all of your sins. I'm talking about from the day you were born to the day you die, your tiniest or greatest sins all went on Jesus. The Bible says he that knew no sin, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, was made sin, all your dirty, rotten sins that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. And then after he took care of that problem, folks, he took care of your second problem, your death problem, when he rose from the dead to win for you his precious free gift of resurrection, everlasting life. Now, folks, knowing about this is good, but there's one thing left. you got to trust in it with the faith of a little child, and that's the fourth step. Folks, when you believe you can't save yourself, you just repented, and now you're ready to believe that only he can that he did, and that he will pay for all your sins and save you from an eternal damnation and guarantee you his resurrection, everlasting life. If you've never, ever done that before, please do it now. Don't wait till it's too late. Do it now. Like uh, the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. 
You may not get tomorrow, folks. So thank you so very much. It's time for us to go as we now close again with Amon St. Martin singing a Creole goodbye. And God bless you all out there. They call it Creole goodbye. They think we're just wasting our time. But a minute all three say There's time for a Creole goodbye Hello, it is Ryan And I was on a flight the other day Playing one of my favorite social spin slot games On Chumbacasino.com I looked over the person sitting next to me And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.